0: welcome back to another edition of down to the wire again alongside my nhl analyst nolan thode nolan how are you doing today i'm
1: doing great you know enjoying the long weekend how about you
0: yeah you know i'm trying doing the best i can really uh the long weekend has been spent inside doing math uh, it's been brutal i'll tell you that
1: yeah you know maybe not the way you want to spend it but not too bad we got you know, decent sports weekend, you know, college basketball is keeping me entertained.
0: Yeah, you know, we got the national championship tonight. Uh, how about Jalen Suggs in that three-point buzzer beater to beat UCLA? And I think a lot of people underestimated the, uh, you know, UCLA.
1: Yeah, you know, UCLA, a great Cinderella run, you know, there's always a couple every year. Uh, UCLA, you know, obviously made it the furthest. I was talking to my dad, like when we were watching the game and I was saying how this year I feel like we haven't had as many, you know, buzzer beater, you know, three pointers to win the game. And then would you look at that? That's how that game ended up, uh, you know, closing out. But instant classic. All I have to say about that game.
0: And, you know, I got to agree with you because isn't Jalen Suggs supposed to go? That's a first overall pick this year then, right? For Suggs?
1: Yeah, first round pick sure he's definitely going to be in the lottery like you know solid player freshman yeah a lot of teams are going to want want to well, draft him
0: well getting right to the uh nhl news of things uh, on monday we learned that you know Aaron ekblad's injury he suffered the last week uh he's out for the rest of the season and that's a huge blow for the panthers but you know although ekblad's out the panthers have really stepped up they've really played a next man uh next man up mentality and you know they're top of the NHL uh and it's quite surprising to for me to say the least to see them atop of the NHL
1: no exactly I think you know for the last like four or five years with the current core they have people were expecting them to be you know the sort of breakup team you know the last couple years and they were never able to do it but this year they're suddenly you know reaching their full potential and you know with injuries you know throughout the season to guys like Barkov and then you know, now Ekblad out for the season, they really have had to, you know, have that next man up mentality and, you know, guys like Verhege and, you know, Huberto obviously have been stepping up huge and the team's been able to be successful. Not only
0: that, but I wanted to throw in Alex Wenberg as well. He really stepped up ever since, uh, you know, Alexander Barkov, like you mentioned, he was out with an injury and I thought Alex Wenberg really played, uh, you know, a, a great role Uh, with how Barkov was out you know from uh, it was about a week that Barkov was out and I thought Wenberg really stepped up in that absence
1: yeah exactly you know Wenberg was a guy that you know signed a contract in Columbus people expected him to you know be worth it I thought he was going to be you know solid you know you know top nine center at least for them didn't work out and he was bought out and it seems you know he's finding a new home in uh, Florida
0: The team, we finally got some Olympic news for the Americans. And, you know, I think this Olympics is going to be one of the best ever. Because, you know, if we look back pre-2018, because 2018 2018, will put an asterisk since, you know, NHL players uh, didn't play. And, you know, it's really hard to feel connected to the Winter Olympics when your favorite athletes from North America don't play. So, you know, we'll we'll look to 2010 and 2014, uh, both when Canada won. And, you know... I feel like, so the news I'm going to get to here is Team USA announced that uh, Stan Bowman is going to be the GM there. And, you know, I think this Olympics, you know, we look at Team USA, we look at some of the lethal Americans right now. Like, you know, could Joe Pavelski, who's like 37 right now, could he make Team USA at 38? Like, that's crazy. Uh, You know, we look at Eichel, Matthews, Kane, uh, you know, there are some lethal Americans and, you know, Team Canada versus Team USA, whenever they line up, I mean, that's going to draw ratings, man. And I'm super excited for if they do line up.
1: Exactly. You know, Canada versus USA is an age old rivalry in you know, hockey terms. And I think, you know, right now, not to say that 2010 or 14 weren't as talented because I think, you know, those teams were very good, but you know, just these players that we've, haven't been able to see in the Olympics since we haven't had players since 2014 you know that's a ton of guys that have been drafted since then who can make an impact on their team's roster now and it's going to be exciting to see them stepping in the lineup well I just want to
0: mention that in 2014 like Canada wiped the entire competition it wasn't even close I think really the only adversity they faced if I remember correctly is when they went up against uh Guzlevskis in Latvia I'm pretty sure Latvia lost to Canada, won nothing there. But either way, like Canada wiped the entire competition in 2014. So, you know, there wasn't much of a challenge there. My point being is that I think there will be more challenge for Canada to capture the gold medal.
1: Exactly. I think, you know, the the playing field is definitely, you know, maybe leveled a bit more. Uh, you got guys just coming from Sweden, you know, Finland, these European countries that, you know, maybe couldn't have done as well against Canada in past Olympics are now, you know, real threats to take the title. So it's going to be an exciting tournament for sure.
0: The Buffalo Sabres, uh, this is on Monday, by the way, uh, you know, they were so close to snapping their at the time 17 game losing streak. Uh, or winless, whatever it is in the ter- in the in terms of the eyes of the league, but you know they had a ninety-five percent chance per money puck uh, of winning the game entering the third period, and you know I, I really thought they would do it, being up three nothing against the slumping Philadelphia Flyers, and I actually wrote an article about it. I, I should probably link that in the description. Uh, but, you know, it seemed as though that the Sabres were going to win the game and then the Flyers just chipped up, you know, they got one early uh, in like the first couple minutes in the third period and next thing you know you're down, or you're tied 3-3 going into overtime and now Provorov who slid the puck through middlestats legs, or not Provorov, um, Konechny slid the puck through middlestats legs to Provorov who scored the game winner.
1: Yeah, you know, they were up 3 nothing, and it seemed like it was all going to come to an end and, you know, Sabres fans were getting excited. But, you know, as soon as they scored that first goal early in the third period, then it really gave Philadelphia a chance. I think if Buffalo may have been able to hold on to that 3 nothing lead a bit, little bit longer, you know, they probably would have won that game. But, you know, just to make it a two-goal game really quick, there's just so much pressure on each side. And, you know, Philadelphia was able to come out on top.
0: Speaking of jokes around the league, uh, you know, a lot of teams – Joke to the Montreal Canadiens fans that they're now one in nine past regulation well Montreal was practicing three on three uh, during the practice Monday and I thought that was kind of funny since uh, you know it's not something that you really should have to practice to do well at Um, but yeah that's what that's just my thoughts on the situation.
1: Yeah. You know, three on three typically is just, you know, you put your best lineup out there and there's not too much strategy, you know, lots of chances happen. And it's just the way that, you know, the OT goes, it's super exciting, but to practice it, it's super interesting. And I think, you know, it might be the right thing for Montreal, you know, special teams is a very underrated part of the game. You know, I've mentioned before how the Oilers for the last, you know, four or five years when the team was frustrating, it's because our special teams weren't great. You bring in Dave Tippett and, you know, he really, you know, focuses on a good power play and a good penalty kill can really help. So I think, you know, it might be the right thing for Montreal to practice this three on three so that they can get those wins, you know, past regulation.
0: And not only that, but I mean, as you were growing up, you didn't have the likes of McDavid and Settle, who definitely, uh, you know, a hundred percent help out the special teams and the three on three situations.
1: No, absolutely. And Montreal, you know, they don't have a McDavid or Dreissel, but they like, kind of have, you know, just a you know, offense by committee. So special teams, you know, might be a little bit lacking there just because instead of having, you know, one elite unit, they have, you know, two, you know, 1A, one 1B one sort of power play unit.
0: On Tuesday, uh, Shane Gossespierre got placed on waivers and actually went unclaimed, to my surprise. I thought someone was going to claim him, but I think, you know, with waivers this year, we're seeing a lot of people with rich contracts uh, due to how low the cap ceiling is. Uh, so I, I was very surprised to see Shane Gossespierre on waivers.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, if you look at the, you know, team of guys that are on waivers this year, you could probably, you know, make a decent lineup, actually, I, I feel like some solid players have been on, you know, the wire throughout the year. And like you mentioned, just because of their contracts, and you know, the current season that we're going on, you know, these players that probably in a normal season, like Goss Bear and you know, maybe Henrique from earlier in the season, probably get claimed, you know, they don't end up getting claimed in this season, just because, you know, money is super tight. Michael Froelich,
0: uh played his first game in over a year. And, you know, this comes at a time where Montreal is playing, you know, every other night, essentially, for the rest of the season. And he certainly looked like the freshest Montreal Canadian out there during their game against the Oilers. And, you know, I, I thought it was a great boost to the lineup. Uh, you know, it gave the team great energy right from the uh, drop of the puck. And, you know, it seemed like Montreal dominated the Oilers, who, looked, who were coming in red hot.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And like you mentioned, with the Canadians having to play a lot of games in a lot of short time, you got guys on that team like, you know, Corey Perry, those aren't guys that are going to be able to play, you know, four or five times a week. So you need to really, you know, utilize your taxi squad and be rolling out those guys. And, you know, Frolic hadn't played in a year, but, you know, was able to get in this game. And like you mentioned, he looks solid out there.
0: And we were texting back and forth during this game. And, you know, Carey Price did shut out the Edmonton Oilers. And I thought that was a surprise because, wait till you hear this, that was his first career shutout against Edmonton. Through his 10-plus seasons or however long he's been playing in the NHL, he's never had a uh, a shutout against Edmonton. And, you know, I, I was watching the game on a stream. And when I heard that, I had to literally rewind the stream because I that was, like, breaking news to me. I, I never knew that.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, even though in a normal season, the Habs and Oilers only play each other, you know, twice a year, you would imagine that, you know, with the Oilers teams that have been put out on the ice throughout the last 10 years and, you know, Carey Price's success, you know, he'd have a shutout. And it really surprised me because I feel like there's been games where, you know, the Oilers, even if they're playing solid, just can't get past Price. So, you know, he was able to keep them off the board in this one.
0: You know, we talk about uh, the New Jersey Devils a lot here and their success against the Boston Bruins. And actually something uh, to note here is the Bruins did win 5-4 against the Devils, but it came in the shootout. And both of the Bruins wins against the Devils have come in the shootout. So it seems as though that uh, for Devils to beat the Bruins, they have to do it in regulation or overtime.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's super interesting because you got the Bruins who are, you know, considered one of the better teams in the league and the Devils who, you know, are, are, are a bottom feeder team, you know, just the way that things are in the standings, but they seem to have been, you know, able to mass themselves up well against the Bruins, you know, this year. I think the Bruins came back in this game. I think they were down 4-2 at some point. Um, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood played a really good game, but the Bruins were just shooting the puck, you know, like there was no tomorrow. And eventually, you know, they were able to get a couple by him.
0: Matt Boldy signed his entry-level contract with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I think, you know, he came in the 2019 draft that was completely stacked. uh, You know, and that's just adding another offensive weapon. Uh, He's going to be great uh, signing for them. And that's just another piece added to their uh, great core. You know, we look at Jordan Greenway, who's doing really well. Same with Joel Erickson-Eck, Kirill Kaprizov. You know, their forward core is going to be amazing. And, you know, I think they can really be true cup contenders if they keep adding to this
1: no exactly i think the minnesota wild you know we're never looked at as true threats but now you have a successful team out there on the ice and they have you know solid guys within the prospect pool like a boldy like a marco rossi these guys are going to be stepping into the lineup within the next couple years and really making an impact if they can you know keep most of their defense you know settled you know they're going to probably lose someone to seattle this offseason i'm assuming that's who you know they're going to end up exposing but you know guys like talbot uh you know kakanen he's he's super exciting and young i think the wild can be a solid team throughout the 2020s moving on to
0: wednesday's uh type wednesday's notes uh you know mcdavid got fined five thousand dollars which is the maximum allowed under the current cba for his elbow to the head of kokaniemi I certainly thought that, you know, it was clearly out of frustration because uh, he, you know, he was held shotless during that game. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure between uh, both McDavid and Dry Dreisaitl, they were held to two shots and like a minus rating. Anyway, uh, you know, I thought <clears throat> he got the superstar treatment, really, you know, that could have been a suspendable hit. I uh, just think like, you know, if it was anyone else. Uh, that would have been a couple games, but you know, it's great to see that Kock and Yemi, uh, didn't leave the game. He didn't suffer any injury afterwards. Uh, so I, you know, I think a fine is definitely justified.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's justified. Uh, 5k really surprises me as the max fine. You know, these are NHL players making millions of dollars a year. You think a 5k fine is really going to have them learn their lesson. You know, McDavid, you know, people really don't look at him as a dirty player all that much, but you know, I watch, you know, most of the Oilers games and every every once in a while he'll make a, you know, play where I'm like, you know, you didn't really need to do that. And I feel like he feels maybe in himself that he can kind of get away with it. Like you said, just that superstar treatment. He's able to he's, he's able to get off practice, practically scotch free in the situation, you know, without a suspension. And it's nice that Cockanyemi, you know, wasn't, you know, hurt in the situation.
0: So, you know, the Vancouver Canucks was a huge story this week. And, you know, we're going to get to that later on uh, during these notes. But the initial note that I have written down here on Wednesday was that Adam got tested positive. And, you know, Travis Green, the head coach, I keep thinking his name is Trent Green. Travis Green, the head coach, uh, you know, said that even after the second test, just to make sure it wasn't a false positive, it still came up as a positive. So Adam that officially positive, tested positive for the COVID-19. Uh, and, you know, the Flames and Canucks game did get postponed initially after two Canucks players landed on the COVID-19 protocol and one staff member. Like I said, uh, we're going to get uh, more to it as we move down these notes because obviously that's a huge part uh, of the news this week.
1: No, exactly. You know, the Canucks this week, you know, has been, you know, one of the worst COVID situations in not only the NHL, but, you know, sports since they have been resumed. It is really a scary situation. And like you said, we'll get more into it. But, you know, earlier in the year, we talked about how we thought the North division was going to be able to, you know, get all their games in, you know, within the set time that they had for the regular season. But we're seeing these games scheduled, you know, past the, I think, May 11th date. Um, you know, with the Canucks, they're going to be missing games for what seems to be the next couple of days, maybe even weeks. Uh, we'll see how the NHL, you know, adjusts in terms of scheduling.
0: The Florida Panthers uh, signed Spencer Knight to his entry-level contract. And, you know, Arpon Basu, who tweeted out, he works for the Athletic, covers the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, he said that it's it's still a weird move that on the draft day, they draft Spencer Knight, who's going to be their future goalie, but then on July 1st, they signed Bobrovsky to a like a 10 times 8 or, you know, uh, 10 times 10 contract. And it's weird to see that Spencer Knight's going to be the backup for, you know, it's most of his career, essentially, for a short term of his career. And, you know, it, I hope to see Spencer Knight in the NHL sooner than later.
1: Yeah, you know, another... Exciting player coming out of college to sign his entry level deal. It it is a really weird situation for him because they do have Bobrovsky locked up, you know, really long term. You know, they also have a guy like Devon Levi, you know, who we saw for, you know, Team Canada played lights out in that tournament. You know, Florida is going to have maybe not this year or next year, but in a couple years down the road, a really tough situation dealing with Bobrovsky making you know, uh, $10 million a year, I believe. Is it, is it 10 or 11? I, I, think,
0: it's 10. I, I think it's 10 because he was making like 500 K less than Carey price, but I'm checking right now. I'm on cap friendly. Uh, hold on a minute. Uh,
1: it yeah, is, but,
0: it is 10 and a half or sorry, 10, 10, my bad.
1: Yeah. So 10 that's, that's a huge cap hit going to your goalie. It really, you know, takes away a lot of money that you're able to put into your lineup. And if you have, you know, depth goalies, you know, Drieger even this year is b- being able to perform, you know, a, as good as Bobrovsky it's going to be a real issue for the Panthers and you know in the next five years I'm interested to see how they deal with it.
0: well you know this is kind of related to Montreal's problem with Caden Primo right like it's almost the exact same problem uh you know Primo's in the AHL right now uh and he's top 10 in save percentage but uh it's the exact same situation because you have a rich goalie in Carey Price who's making 10 and a half and now you're wondering like okay well when should we break in our top goalie pres- prospect?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, Caden Primo, Habs fans are excited about him. And perhaps if Carey Price wasn't there, Primo would be, you know, splitting starts with Jake Allen in Montreal. But it, it is frustrating for him, I'm sure, because, you know, he he wants to be able to make an impact on the NHL level. But, you know, since Carey Price is there, you know, the Habs hands are, you know, really just tied and they can't, they can't be giving him many starts.
0: Alex Newhook signed his entry-level deal with the Colorado Avalanche, another uh, stud coming from Boston College. And, you know, I just another stacked uh, player for the Avalanche to sign. Not like they need anyone else, anymore. you know, any more players.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, the a- Avalanche, you know, are probably the team that needs a guy like this stepping into the lineup the absolute least. You know, they already have a great forward core, you know, one to 12. And, you know, bringing in a guy like Alex Newhook, he's been, you know, touted for a couple of years. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he's able to make an impact on an already stacked forward core this season. Cam York signed
0: his entry-level deal with the Flyers. (coughs) Excuse me. And uh, I expect him to play in the NHL, uh, you know, kind of in no time. Uh, The Flyers really do need help on defense. And if they're trying to make the playoffs here, you can look internally to Cam York since uh, you probably can't afford anyone on the trade market.
1: No, exactly. And a lot of people, you know, with defensemen especially, you know, defensemen and goalies, you know, people like to develop them a little bit more, you know, forwards more often are able to step into the lineup when they're younger. Uh, But, you know, Philadelphia, you know, Carter Hart was their starting goalie at 20 years old. So I think they're going to have no, you know, no problem, you know, transitioning Cam York into this top six, you know, defensive group. And hopefully he's able to help them there.
0: Elliot Friedman said during the first intermission of the Jets and Leafs game on Wednesday that multiple teams are in on David Savard. He listed them as the Jets, Blue Jackets, Avalanche, and Lightning. And my personal opinion on this is I see the Jets as the only team really needing him out of that group. Uh, Obviously, Columbus would want to retain him. Uh, You know, the Lightning and Avalanche have great defense, uh, and their organization, they could just insert uh, defense from their own organization.
1: Yeah, you know, Columbus and other teams like that, they have these stacked defensive cores. Uh, But it'll be interesting to see because I think they're, you know, kind of falling out of the playoff race and starting to lose hope you know, a, a tough loss to Florida, I think yesterday, kind of really put a cap on it. And, you know, Columbus might, you know, turn into a selling role and, you know, Savard would definitely be the big piece that is there. Uh, and, and he can really help a, a competitive team. So it'll be interesting to see where he lands, if, if anywhere, if not just staying in Columbus.
0: Speaking of trade rumors, uh, Darren Drager reported that the Sabres have gotten calls about Rasmus Ristalainen and Sam Reinhardt. Uh, You know, like uh, on the last offseason, the Sabres signed him to a one-year prove-it deal, and now his contract is expiring uh, this season. Reinhart has definitely proved himself more often than not this season, and, you know, I, I think that with the Sabres, uh, you know... I think they should trade most, if not older, UFAs and try and get as much draft capital and prospects back because, uh, you know, they're on another rebuild, essentially.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Sabres do. They can do one of two things. They can try to, you know, keep working with what they have right now with guys like Eichel, Ristolainen, and Reinhardt. Or they can just go, you know, complete fire sale and trade guys like Eichel, Reinhardt, Risto, and they can get a lot of assets back. You know, the Sabres, even though they are, you know, unsuccessful this year, they have a lot of pieces where they can move them and get a lot back. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure what Adams is going to do. You know, a year ago, signed as the GM. These were the players that he thought was, you know, he was going to build off of. But now he's considering, you know, moving them. Jonas don he
0: scored a hat trick seven and a half minutes into the game i mean that's just crazy when you think about it uh you know that was a crazy game i'm pretty sure the avalanche won nine three or something like that over the coyotes and you know when you have your bottom six scoring uh that that's a good sign for colorado
1: no absolutely you know we talked about you know when they signed uh uh, new hook, you know how they're stacked already, and you know you talk about Donskoi, a yeah, hat trick, you know within ten minutes, you know within eight minutes actually of the game starting, it's crazy. I remember looking at my phone, and sometimes you know with the apps that I have, primarily primarily the scores what I use, you know to get all my you know game uh, scores, uh, but you know sometimes they'll they'll send me the same notification twice by error and then I'll check the game and and it's all fine but you know I kept getting these Jonas Donskoy notifications and I looked and you know lo and behold he actually did score a hat trick in that first period so you know incredible feat for the kid The Sabres snapped an 18
0: game winless streak oh with a 6-1 dub over the Flyers uh, you know Montour scored two shorthanded goals and you have to think, like, is Alain Vigneault on the hot seat? Because they are really slumping here. And when you lose to the Sabres, who have gone winless in the last 18 games, I mean, that is uh, – not that's something to consider.
1: Yeah, you know – when we looked at these divisions at the start of the season i thought the flyers might have been a lock you know within that east division you know i thought them boston and washington were probably you know three kind of locks for the playoffs and then that you know fourth spot between you know new york pittsburgh you know I, I had a little bit of hope for buffalo at the start of the season um but you know philadelphia it's just been a really frustrating season and it'll be interesting to see what they do with vinil uh you know he's in his second year you know his first year was really successful they had a great year last year um And maybe maybe they give him the benefit of the doubt and just try to roll out things next season. And if if success isn't there, then maybe he's on the hot seat next year. But I think right now his job is secure to an extent.
0: The Flyers set a franchise record for lowest save percentage in one month. Uh, That was the month of March with uh, 831 save percentage, smashing the mark set in October 1990 with an 841 save percentage. So... Obviously, uh, if you're the Sabres and Flyers, you certainly didn't have a good month in March.
1: No, absolutely not. And, And it's crazy to just to see those numbers, you know, in the modern day to have an 831 over the course of a month, it's just, you know, unheard of.
0: Moving on, uh, you know, on to Thursday's notes here, uh, Ottawa signed their top D prospect, Jacob Bernard Docker, to his entry-level deal. And, you know, that 2019 NHL draft prospect pool should be really fun to watch. And they also signed Shane Pinto during the same day. Uh, you know, I think those guys are actually going to report straight to Ottawa. So they're going to be making their NHL debuts. And for Ottawa, a team that's kind of rebuilding, a team that doesn't, you know, have playoff aspirations I think, you know, it's great that they're inserting their youth to get some NHL games under their belt.
1: No, absolutely. I think, you know, the last couple of years have been frustrating for Ottawa. And I think, you know, for maybe one or two years after this frustrating as well, but I think if you're getting your young prospects, just NHL experience and, you know, maybe playing them two or three minutes more than they would on a competitive team. I think, you know, in the long run, it's going to be super positive and, you know, maybe later in the 2020s they're going to have a really solid team with you know this experience that you know other teams don't really have Nate McKinnon
0: got fined 5,000 for throwing Carnor Garland's helmet at his face and you know I, I thought that was hilarious I, I had a good chuckle at that I, I could watch that at least a couple hundred times uh simply because of uh how it happened and you know it just McKinnon lightly tossing uh Garland's helmet right into his face is so funny
1: yeah, you know, at, you know, everyone's emotions gets the best of them sometime and it is funny just to see, you know, McKinnon, he probably as soon as he threw the helmet, you know, regretted it as soon as it left his hand. But, you know, him and McDavid both in the same week getting the 5k fine, you know, you know, just the two of them together, you know, always in the same class, I guess.
0: Darren Drager reports that, uh, you know, Roberto Luongo, Bobby Lou will be named Team Canada for the World Championship. And he also cites that the hardest challenge for Roberto Luongo will be to grab those players who already had to go through strict restrictions, uh, who already had to go through quarantine just to get this NHL season underway, and then to go through all those uh, restrictions once again to play for Team Canada. So we might see a younger team uh, headed over to Latvia this, uh, this tournament in May.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for this world championship. I think, you know, the, the part I'm most excited about is to see, you know, like you said, the young guys, I think Shane Wright was rumored to be a part of team Canada. I'm not sure if he's on the, you know, full roster or just going there for training camp, but if guys like that can go into the roster and, you know, have an impact, you know, it it might give us a little more insight to, you know, these prospects going leading into the draft.
0: And Matt Barzell popped off uh, on Thursday night there, netting a hat-trick five points and an 8-4 win over the Capitals. That was a really fun game to watch, I should mention. He had a beautiful end-to-end rush goal where he literally went through the whole team. There were four Capitals surrounding him uh, as he was entering the Ozone there and just, uh, you know, shot it past. Uh, I think Vitek Vanacek was in net for Capitals. So, uh, you know, Matt Barzell, another young stud for Team Canada there.
1: No, absolutely. I think Barzell in terms of, you know, finesse, he's one of the best players in the league. You know, he's got great speed and just, you know, his skating is just really fluid and he can move around the ice really nice. Uh, You know, he's got, you know, great hands too. And I think because he plays in New York, more of like an offensive style team, he might even get overlooked a bit. But I believe that, you know, Barzell is one of the top players in the league, you know, just in terms of pure skill, the points, you know, eventually they're going to come and he's able to get a hat trick in this one.
0: On Friday, uh, you know, Eric Stahl, it was announced that uh, he's making his debut tonight, uh, Monday night against your Edmonton Oilers. And, uh, you know, I looked at the practice lines uh, this morning, and he's actually on the second line there uh, with, uh, I think he's on the wing with Suzuki and Anderson. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to see Eric Stahl uh, in a Habs uniform. Great to see uh, Muncho's first uh, trade deadline acquisition finally playing for them.
1: No, absolutely. It'll be nice to see him in the lineup. The thing with Eric Stahl is, you know, he can, you know, do a lot or do nothing at all. You know, in Buffalo, he had somewhat of an impact, but not too much. But people forget, you know, two seasons ago, he had 40 goals for Minnesota. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of Eric Stahl, you know, comes out in this Canadian lineup. Nathan Beaulieu
0: had successful shoulder surgery, but uh, Paul Maurice announced that he's out for the rest of the season. So I think like the Jets, they might be in the market, like we said for David Savard and maybe a Matthias Ekholm type player. Maybe they'll get a Mark Stoll, someone that's just serviceable for this season until Nathan Beaulieu makes a full recovery.
1: Exactly. I think they do need to go out there and get a defenseman because if they go into the playoffs, you know, with the current core that they have, either what's going to happen is, you know, they're going to lose in the first or second round or, you know, Connor Hellebuck is going to have to have a couple surgeries after because he's carrying the whole team on his back. You know, I don't think they want to make him do that. He definitely is capable, but I think, you know, getting a defenseman is probably, you know, what's smartest for them.
0: Well, let's talk about that Leafs and Jets game uh, on Friday night there. I I loved it. That was really exciting. It was a, you know, a goaltending duel between Hellbuck and uh, Campbell there. Uh, Not much high scoring. But, you know, the Jets survived a minor penalty in overtime. I certainly thought the Leafs were going to score on that overtime because, uh, you know, they had four of their best forwards out. Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander. I believe that was uh, the unit that stayed out for the full two minutes. Uh, you know, and the Jets survived that. Hellbuck made a couple great saves. Jack Campbell got his first career shootout win. Uh, and that's actually the first shootout win this season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And like we mentioned before, or well, I mean, Jack Campbell, everyone knows he's undefeated this season. What a stud of a pickup that is for the Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: Yeah, you know, Jack Campbell was acquired near the deadline last year just to sort of be the backup to Freddie to, you know, sort of alleviate the amount of starts that he was getting because, you know, over an 82-game season, Freddie was starting, you know, over 70, you know, kind of games and, you know, Hutchinson wasn't giving him much help. But this year, you know, Freddie's, you know, dealt with injuries and struggled a bit when he's in the net and Campbell's just been able to step up and be, you know, kind of a true number one for the Leafs. So, you know, when Freddie does come back from his injury, it'll be... in interesting to see who you know takes that starting role heading into the playoffs
0: University of North Dakota defenseman Matt Kirstad signed with the Florida Panthers and I thought this was a great signing uh you know the Panthers got immediate help on the back end since Ekblad is out for the season and hopefully Kirstad can play a serviceable role and maybe we'll see him into the future
1: yeah exactly I think you know he he had a very solid career at the University of North Dakota um you know signing with the Panthers uh, I think the timing is just really good for them because they do need someone to step up and, you know, be able to take on some of those Ekblad minutes and it'll be interesting to see if he does get that opportunity to, you know, play, play with them this season.
0: On Saturday, it marked the one year anniversary since the rebrand of the podcast. That was my first interview with Matthew Shinetti and Nolan uh, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you again for, uh, you know, helping me uh, during Uh, i guess like just helping me with this segment uh you know thank you for your continued support and all the fans out there thank you for your continued support uh you know it it means a lot and i'm certainly happy to keep this going
1: no yeah everybody loves the podcast you know one year since the rebrand you know it's been a big one year for the podcast you know all the guests and you know such that have been on the show and I, i like that you've stayed true to you know people that are loyal you know you and I doing this every week you know it's great and you know we've come a long way and and it's exciting to see you know where the podcast could even go in the future
0: now let's talk about the Vancouver Canucks I you know the numbers that are reported on my note sheet here are a bit uh, out of sorts Uh, so the last time that I heard they have 20 players that tested positive Uh, around half their team uh, has COVID but you know I think like a certain percentage of them have the Brazil variant and that's the main Uh, story here. That's the main headline is that the NHL didn't plan for the Brazil variant or any variant of COVID to wreak havoc on franchises or players, uh, for the matter of fact, and it sucks. I'm scared. I'm worried. I, and, you know, the Canucks, they have such a young, bright future. We look at the Elias Pedersen. He was out for an injury. So he probably doesn't have it. I'm not ruling it out. I'm not not—I'm not saying anything. But uh, what we do know is uh, Tyler Maud has it. Goddad has it. Thatcher Demko has it. Holpe has it. Uh, you know, uh, it sucks seeing that this young group of Canucks has, you know, half the team is positive. And like we saw with Rasmus Ristalainen. we don't know – how these players will recover. If they're going to recover back to their uh normal selves or if they're going to be impacted by this virus for long term. It sucks. I'm sad because you know they, they passed it on to their family members, which is so scary. Uh yeah. and you know it's such a it's it's such an unfortunate circumstance and the thought that the NHL would cancel the Canucks is certainly, it certainly has smoke to it. Because if you think about it, the Canucks have to go basically undefeated or play like a, almost like a 700 win percentage for the rest of the season. And now you throw this into the mix. So you give it 14 days since, you know, science has proved to us that it takes that long for someone to recover from COVID. So give it 14 days. Now you're wondering okay, now we have to reschedule however many games in basically a month. So that's like 16, 20 games in one month. That's nearly impossible to play as a player. You know, these guys aren't baseball players uh, who play basically every single day. Like the Jays are on a 16-game stretch right now with no break. Um, and I like that's never seen before in NHL history. Something so major that it would impact the schedule to see like players play six uh, games at a time. And you know, I, I I think the games against Ottawa, the games against Calgary, might be scratched. I think the games against the Jets, the Leafs, and uh, I'm forgetting the third team that's in there. Like Montreal's finished their series against Vancouver, Jets, Leafs, Oilers. The games against those three other teams might be played because that gives playoff uh, the playoff teams there a chance to at least play out their series since like Calgary, right. They're probably eliminated from the playoffs with their loss last night against Toronto. Uh, and that's, so that's just, that's just me spitballing ideas. I want to know what you think, Nolan.
1: No, exactly. I think, you know, the big part that you mentioned is with Rasmus Ristalainen, you know, this, this virus is something that, you know, we have a lot of information on it, but not, not so much in terms of long-term effects and with the Canucks, you know, they're a very young team. Like you mentioned, they have a lot of young players and you know, this, could be something that, you know, plagues their franchise for the next, for like next 10, 15 years, even, you know, if their players are, you know, impacted from this. I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, the general population looks at these athletes as, you know, if they get the virus, it's all right. they're, They're in the best shape of their lives. They'll be able to recover. But I think, you know, and like you mentioned as well, passing it on to their families, it's definitely just... Such a super scary situation, and I think you know this. Even if it doesn't end, you know them going out there on the ice and playing the games. I think it really does end the Canucks' season in terms of any hope of them, you know, making the playoffs. You know, they they had a good month due to Thatcher Demko. You know, just playing, you know, on 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 his head every single game, but. You know, it is really frustrating as a sports fan just to see this happening. Uh, but, you know, with that frustration comes, you know, a little bit of, you know, it, it, it's it's confusing. It's scary. You know, there's lots of emotions to feel and, and it's just unfortunate to happen.
0: And I just want to throw this out there that uh, so when Rasmus Ristelainen uh, did come back from COVID, uh, he went to a Finnish uh, media outlet and basically spitballed what he, uh, you know, went through and you know, I think some of the terms that he used were like, you know, I couldn't get out of bed. I had a hard time. Like I thought I was going to die essentially. And when you hear that, when you hear a player have those experiences, it makes you wonder, like, will Quinn, like, you know, there's been reports that Canucks players have been vomiting, that Canucks players have been, you know, experiencing hard symptoms of the Brazil variant. And, you know, it makes you wonder, like, will these guys like, will Quinn Hughes get back to a Norse trophy candidate like he is playing this year will Thatcher Demko ever be a Vesna goalie like there's so many like your brain just goes like to here to here to here to here and there's so many endless possibilities that could happen that you know it, it sucks because you know I'm wearing my Canucks hat right now and I I, I loved I loved everything about the Canucks group right there they were it seemed as though they had a direction we joked that Jim Benning you know has really bad contracts. We do that, you know, but it seemed as though those contracts were phasing their way out. We never saw Louis Erickson play this season, you know, Brandon Sutter, we saw him play a couple of times. He has COVID now. Uh, but you know, it, it really sucks because the Canucks actually have direction and this throws their plans basically out the window and hopefully, and I'm hoping, I'm praying to God that uh, these players fully recover.
1: No, exactly. You know, a full recovery, that's all you can hope for. Like, like you mentioned, even, you know, the rescheduling, these guys, if they're coming back, you know, 14 day quarantine, recovering from the virus. And then they're being expected to play, you know, maybe five games a week. It's going to be tough as is, you know, playing five games in general. But, you know, after recovering from such, you know, an insane virus, you know, it it might be too tough for them. And we might be seeing Canucks players potentially even opt out just, you know, for their sake, for their family's sake, Um, just an unfortunate situation. And like we've mentioned with, you know, Demko and Hughes. You know, guys like Pedersen as well, we're not sure if he has it, but, you know, these guys with really bright futures, maybe, you know, they, they're able to play out their careers. However, you know, they hit age 35 and instead of playing until they're 40, you know, they have to retire by 37 just because, you know, their body has taken such a damage from this period of time. Uh, you know, just hoping for full recoveries for each player and, you know, for the families just so that everyone can be safe.
0: And you, and you might wonder, you know, another spot where the brain goes is, could the BC government halt the nhl from making a decision on uh the canucks or could the bc government step in and say look you know it's too complex our players are canucks they're put in way too much danger uh now with this brazil variant uh we're going to cancel the canucks season like that could be a legit possibility you know the bc government their health officials could you know go to the nhl and say we're not playing that's it
1: yeah. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, I'm sure this won't be the last time we're talking about this situation on the podcast this season.
0: Moving on to better news here. Roman Yossi surpassed Mark Streit's 434 points as Switzerland's best NHL score in history. Uh, you have him on fantasy. I know that. Uh, and, you know, what a story for Roman Yossi coming back from injury. He's having a stellar season as he, uh, you know, as the predators are pushing towards the playoffs.
1: Yeah, you know, Roman Yossi, you know, five or seven years ago was a super solid defenseman, but it wasn't until, you know, the Predators traded away their captain Shea Weber, where Roman Yossi kind of became that true number one defenseman. And since he's taken that spot, you know, now he's the captain. I think he's just, you know, been so, so much of that Predators team. Uh, You know, Roman Yossi, great player, you know, great Swiss player. And I think, you know, he'll continue to climb up that list. It'll be interesting to see if a guy like, you know, Niko Hichir, by the end of his career, can challenge Roman Yossi for career points. But, you know, as of now, that spot is Yossi's, and I think he's going to keep building on the, you know, point total.
0: So I think, you know, the Rangers did trade Brendan Lemieux to the Kings last week, which opened up a spot for Vitaly Kravtsov. Uh, who played his first NHL game and you know, the youth movement, the Rangers, again, a young team. Uh, I thought playing Kravtsov uh, in that lineup was great for him. Uh, And hopefully we get to see him more because uh, he was drafted in 2019, I believe played in Russia. And now he's uh, with the big club.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, the Rangers, they were, you know, competitive throughout the 2010s, you know, made the Stanley cup final in 2014 uh, and, and, you know, they went on a little bit of a rebuild, you know, a little bit of a retool in the last couple of years. And then they have guys, you know, like Lafreniere, Kapokako and Kratsov, these, you know, exciting forward prospects, you know, hopefully being able to make an impact on the lineup. And, you know, I'm just hoping for Kratsov to, you know, have a successful rookie campaign.
0: Sergey Bobrovsky earned his silver paddle. Silver paddle since he played his five hundred career. Well, he has five hundred career games, but uh, they wanted to celebrate in front of fans, and it got postponed last season. So, uh, you know, kudos to the Panthers for holding on and waiting until they can get fans in the stands. And actually, I'm not sure if you saw, but they turned every jersey into the Russian. I'm not sure if it was Russian for Bobrovsky or anything, or if it was the Russian player's last name, but. Uh, You know, kudos to the Panthers for doing both those things.
1: Yeah, and I think they picked the best game because I'm pretty sure it was against Columbus as well. So, you know, he's able to celebrate it with some of his former teammates as well. Just, you know, an incredible, you know, feat for Sergei Bobrovsky. You know, this year has been a lot more kind to him than last year was. Uh, And, you know, on a successful Florida team, it's going to be exciting to see if Bobrovsky, you know, former Vesna winning goalie is, you know, elite enough to, you know, potentially carry a team on a deep playoff run. The NHL is to discuss
0: a bubble style type playoffs. Uh, You know, I think the players will not agree to this, uh, forcing the NHL's hand to just uh, go with the current format with the travel. And, you know, I think the players only agree to it just because of uh, the odd circumstance that it was last season with it being completely canceled and returning in uh, July there. Uh, So I don't think that the players will agree to another bubble style playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think what they're aiming for is just, you know, playing in their home arenas and having that travel aspect of it. I think, you know, uh, I think in terms of fans as well, you know, the NHL, I think by, you know, June, July, when playoffs are taking place, NHL is going to really want to capitalize off of what capacity they can have in the stands, you know, making money. So I believe, you know, a bubble would just kind of, you know, really hurt. You know, their chances of making any profit there. I think the bubble from 2020, you know, it's iconic in its own. And I think we should just leave it in 2020, you know, along with everything else in there uh, in, and not return to that format.
0: And actually, that's a really good point you bring up. I, I didn't even think about the revenue uh, right. side of it. But yeah, I think the NHL, it would be smart for them uh, to try and host as many games in as many different arenas as possible uh, given that you can host fans, obviously, they're losing revenue in seven uh, 30, of 31 teams due to the, uh, those seven being in Canada. And but mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, you know, the NHL does go with the smart move here and host as many games in as many different arenas because, like you mentioned, you'd be able to make more profit than if you were to bubble in two cities. No, absolutely. Nathan McKinnon passed. Peter Forsberg for fourth all-time in goals in franchise history on Saturday. Uh, You know, Nate McKinnon, he's going to certainly be breaking more franchise records. Uh, I can certainly see that. But, uh, you know, what a stud he is. Great. I I can't wait for uh, Colorado. Hopefully they can win a cup because, you know, it, it seems as though they have the team to do it.
1: No, exactly. Colorado is just one of those teams, you know, sports fans every once in a while. There's teams that just, you know, feels inevitable, you know, not not uh, if they win a cup or a championship, but when they win the championship, you know, the LA Dodgers, you look at them, they were able to win it last year. You know, they hadn't won it before with their current core, but, you know, just looking at the talent that was on that Dodgers team, it just seemed inevitable when they were going to be able to pull it off. And I think Colorado is in, you know, that class as well. You know, they're just super well-built now and super well-built for the future guys like McKinnon, Rantanen, you know, Kale McCarr. you got guys like Newhook coming into the lineup now. Uh, You know, it's just a really exciting team. And, you know, they lost last year, obviously, in the conference finals to Dallas. No, in the, yeah, semifinals to Dallas. Um, But I I think a Colorado, you know, cup run is something that we might even see this year. But that should be, uh,
0: we should, something, like, we can't leave out the uh, fact that Colorado was down to their two starting goalies, right? Like, Grub- Grubauer and François were both injured, so you're left with Michael Hutchinson, who exactly. is expected to carry the load. Like, that 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 reminds me of the Montreal yep, situation with Dustin Tokarsky.
1: Yeah, I mean, they almost came back from three-one with Michael Hutchinson. That sh- proves to you how good this team is. You know, give them Grubauer, who's been playing insane this season. I think you know a, a deep Cup run is something that we could you know definitely expect from this team.
0: Moving on to Sunday's notes, and the St. Louis Blues are slumping and slumping at the wrong time possible. Uh, they're currently fifth in the uh, w- fifth in the West Division. Uh, you know, they're two points back, uh, they're, they're three points back, sorry, of the Arizona Coyotes there. They're tied with San Jose and, you know, they're 2-7-1 and one in their last 10 games with a two-game losing streak. Uh, you know, it, something has to be figured out there because it seems as though ever since Bennington was signed to a 6 times six, uh, he they haven't been really playing top caliber hockey.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, this blue slump has been, you know, carrying on for the last, you know, what seems like a month, you know, I, I got rid of Biddington and fantasy just because it was frustrating for him, you know, uh, and, and, and you look at this division now, you know, with the blues, I thought, you know, like I mentioned with Philadelphia earlier in the episode, I thought they were a lock in that division to make the playoffs. However, now, you know, Minnesota has proven to be, you know, a lot better than people expected. I think they're in the playoffs and, you know, with the Blues, you know Coyotes, and like like you mentioned, the San Jose Sharks, who have been you know hot within the last couple of weeks, it's going to be a real real fun race to to you know be keeping track of for the rest of the season.
0: The you know New Jersey Devils announced that Cal Mary was held out of the lineup, uh, you know during their mid afternoon game against Washington for precautionary reasons. Uh, the agent did confirm this is for a trade, and I think we see more of this in the coming weeks. I think we potentially see this. Uh, the Sabre, Sabre's scratching Taylor Hall there. And, you know, it's smart to do that. You're protecting your assets. Uh, You know, you're not risking injury with that. And hopefully uh, Kyle Palmieri can fetch uh, the devil's uh, a good package.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think Palmieri is a really good rental piece. You know, if, if if he chooses to re like, you know, if he gets traded, choose to resign that can work as well. But I think just adding, you know, a guy who can score the puck, you know, kind of play two ways to an extent and, you know, bring in some veteran leadership. I think a lot of people, you know, should be calling the New Jersey devils to acquire, you know, Palmieri just because I think he can add a lot to a lot of teams in this league.
0: And you have to think like, will, would Cal Palmieri have, A different trade value if there was no coronavirus. Like, I think the coronavirus has definitely put a different lens on how trades will be made.
1: No, exactly. I I agree with that. You know, Pajot last year, I know Palmieri and Pajot aren't the same player, but Pajot last year, you know, fetched a first, second, and third round pick. But, you know, I don't see any player at the deadline this year, you know, getting a package worth that much you know, Palmieri, his values decreased a little bit just because of the virus. And I think, you know, in a normal year, he'd be, you know, getting a lot more of a return. The San
0: Jose Sharks are on the rise. They're currently 6-3-1 in their last 10. And, you know, they're on a four-game winning streak. And, you know, and it's possible that they could catch the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, you know, if they keep winning, if they keep going on this uh, good stretch of games and Martin Jones has seemed to have, though, come back to life. He's on a really good hot streak right now. And so hopefully, uh, like you mentioned, that West division should be a fun race to watch.
1: Yeah, you know, with San Jose last year, they took a huge step back after, you know, making the Western Conference finals. But, you know, other than losing Joe Pavelski, a lot of the core is still there. You got guys like Couture, Kane, uh, you know, Carlson. Uh, Brent Burns, uh, just a really solid team. It was just the goaltending last year that, you know, never was rolling for them. And now with Martin Jones playing the way he has been, the Sharks are a dangerous team once again. And, you know, they might be able to squeak into that uh, play into that last playoff spot in that division.
0: The Capitals uh, swept their season series versus the Devils. And, you know, like we mentioned with the Bruins there, uh, it seemed as though the Devils have no success. We can certainly relate this back to uh, the Oilers and their dominance against the Ottawa Senators.
1: Yeah, you know, for a season series to be swept, you know, in a normal year is incredible. But (laughs) especially in this one, you know, is that that's nine nothing, I guess, you know, overtime losses and such. But, you know, the Capitals just, you know, I guess they had their number this year.
0: Rick Bonus was actually pulled during the third period due to COVID nineteen protocols, but Jim Neal said that you shouldn't worry since uh, Bonus has been fully vaccinated. So I mean, that that's good to hear. So I
1: mean, yeah, you know, earlier in this year in the NBA, there was a situation where Kevin Durant, you know, played, you know, a bit of the game. You know, he he didn't come out for warmups, and then he was cleared, came in, and actually played in the game, and was pulled after, you know, being in the game for a couple of minutes. It was a super interesting situation. You know, obviously, Durant wasn't vaccinated at the time, but it's just, you know, strange when a player or a coach has, you know, already been, you know, coaching for two periods to be pulled due to the protocols. But, you know, luckily, he is vaccinated, so not much to worry about. But although Dallas has had a lot of, you know, COVID issues this year, you know, just anything is a little, you know, spooky for them.
0: Getting on to Pegs' predictions here, I I have – so this is for tomorrow's games, April sixth. Uh, I have the Sabers beating the Devils. Uh, the Sabers have looked really well, uh, actually, under Tony Gr- or sorry, uh, Don Granato. There, uh, they've played really well in the last couple of games. They're actually on a four-game point streak. So I'm going to take uh, the Sabers over the Devils, the Capitals over the Islanders the Penguins over the Rangers, the Bruins over the Flyers, the Panthers over the Hurricanes, the Lightning over the Blue Jackets, the Predators over the Red Wings, the Blackhawks over the Stars, and the Sharks over the Ducks.
1: I'm looking at your predictions here, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, which which ones I disagree with. And, and it's hard, I think, you know, even though there are uh, nine games, uh, you know, I'll go with the Sabres as well. You know, I, I liked picking them earlier in the season, even when they were on that big losing streak. But now, you know, like you said, points in their last four, you know, there's definitely reason to pick them. I'll go with the, I'll go with the Islanders over the Capitals. The, there's where I'll disagree with you. Um, you know, not to say I disagree with you. I think the Capitals can win that game, but you know, the Islanders beat them eight four last week. And I think, you know, they'll have some of the same recipe to beat them this week. I'll go with the Penguins over the Rangers. Uh, Bruins over the Flyers. Flyers just really frustrating, you know, to pick right now. Um, I'll go with the Panthers over the Hurricanes as well. You know, like I, th- I feel like that could be viewed as a little bit of an upset. You know, the Hurricanes get Mrazek back. That's another point. You know, Sunday, Mrazek third shutout in his fifth appearance this season. That's that's absolutely crazy. You know, back from injury now. Um, I'll go with the uh, Lightning as well. I'll go with the Predators. I'll go with the Stars over the Blackhawks and, you know, Sharks over Ducks. I think, you know, Sharks are playing really well right now, and I'll I'll pick them to win.
0: Well, I'd like to thank again,
1: Nolan Thode, for joining me on another edition of Down to the Wire. It's always great to be here, Pags. Thanks. uh, Congrats on one year as well. Thank you so much.